Okay. I'm going to learn a a recently published edited version of a talk of the Rebbe about going out to war. There there is a already edited version of the same talk in the in the Rebbe's uh, in the Rebbe's Sichas in, in the Rebbe's books on 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 the Torah portions. Good morning, Dr. Resman. There's coffee right outside if you want. It's actually better if you have coffee because you have more coffee, more more Dr. Bresman will have. Um, but what's unique is that they, um, is that someone someone did a rendition of this talk of the Rebbe for uh, delivering it on the radio, and the Rebbe edited it a certain way for that so that for that purpose, and it's a very intricate, long, long talk. We started a little bit of it yesterday, but I want to. Um, uh, give it over the way that I've edited for the delivering on the radio. I think it's a lot easier to follow the flow. It's a lot shorter and a lot easier to to get all the details. Um, okay. In Parsha Shavuot, chapter twenty, verse eight, the Torah, Rashi speaks about the words, "The whoever is frightened and soft-hearted uh, should go home." Torah is talking about how the police officers would announce before the Jews who go out to war that whoever has a, is frightened, has a weak heart, um, that they they should go home. Rabbi Akiva says, what's the meaning of being frightened? Why are they frightened? Akiva says they're frightened in the simple sense. They're not able to go out to war. They cannot see, the, they cannot see a drawn sword. So who is the one who is frightened and uh, and? Uh, we carded someone who was just afraid of battle. That's how Rekiv explains it. And even though in the Mishnah, it's this is that's a source of the words of Rabbi Kiva. Ah, oh, So although this is a, a by the way, you get extra points if you have a coffee. Yeah, extra how many? Three more points. I give you, I give you, you double points. Ooh. No. Okay. So though Rashi is quoting a Mishnah, but Rashi doesn't quote every passage. And just because something is true in the, in the level of Talmud doesn't mean it's true in the level of Pshat. The, the, the Talmud is a different range of interpretation. The Talmud does a whole different kind of interpretation of Torah than Rashi is trying to do. Rashi is trying to explain the simple meaning of the words of the Torah. So whatever Rashi mentions in his, in his, in his explanation has to do with the simple translation. So... So, so only where Rashi has no choice to, and he says, I cannot explain this in a simple level, then does Rashi resort to bringing other levels of Torah interpretation. But uh, here, Rashi isn't um, satisfied with the simple meaning of the, of the transla- translation of the verse, and he feels he has to resort to um, Talmudic explanation. Um, What's, what is the Talmud adding to the simple translation of the verse? What it's adding is like this. Um, the Pasuk says two expressions. Those who are frightened and those who are soft-hearted. So Rashi therefore says these two adjectives, the Torah refers to being frightened and soft-hearted, are referring to two different things. Frightened means that you're afraid to go out to war in general. And soft-hearted means that you cannot, your heart cannot handle seeing a drawn sword. So even, the Talmud uses this expression, even the strongest of the strong, the mightiest of the mighty, if he is merciful, he has to go back. He can't go out to war. 
merciful meaning in the sense of going out to war where there's no reason to be merciful you have these are your enemies but if he is in that state of mercy you cannot bear to see a drawn sword so even though he may be the mightiest guy but uh, he has to go back from war so that's the simple meaning of why Rashi is mentioning these two these two um, uh, things of being frightened of war and, and afraid of a drawn sword because there's two adjectives however um, the question though is why does Rashi have to say anything uh, it's very um, it's very logical why someone would be frightened of going out to war. So, as the Torah says that the Kohen is making these announcements, he tells everyone, "Do not be afraid." And Rashi there explains why does it mean don't don't be explained, don't be says four things over there. Don't be explained. Uh, don't be afraid of the uh, of the sound of their horses, of the clanking of their of, of the clashing of their shields. Of there are things that naturally human beings would be afraid of. So it doesn't make sense why Rashi has to say anything. And also, Rashi quotes Rabbi Akiva. Rashi doesn't quote the author of anyone unless there is a, a specific need to do this. So there are, in Rashi's style of explaining the Torah, he only quotes the author of a teaching for a reason. Otherwise, Rashi says, our rabbis have taught. doesn't say the name. Um... He only says the name if the name will somehow address a question. So the question is, why does he say Rabbi Akiva? What is it? What is, what do, why didn't you know, know that Rabbi Akiva is one who says this? And after Rashi already decides to bring the explanation of Rabbi Akiva, which we don't know why he does because it seems to be so straightforward, Rashi also brings the explanation of Rabbi Aglili. Rabbi Aglili says that the one who is frightened and soft-hearted means someone who is afraid of the sins they've, they've done. And Rashi brings... The author, again, Rabbi Saglili, and he also brings a lot more words than the original passage in the Talmud. So it seems that, Rash, that Rabbi Kiva's explanation is not so smooth in Rashi's, from Rashi's perspective, from the simple translation of the verse's perspective, and therefore he must also bring the explanation of Rabbi Saglili, and that's, and that's also not so smooth, so Rashi brings two interpretations. Rashi brings two interpretations is sort of like uh, trying to plug up two different... Each explanation has a uh, has something that's lacking in it, like you know sometimes the doctor gives you a, a, a medicine that, that may solve your stomach ache, but then gives you a headache. So you have another medicine that uh, uh, solves your headache. Solves your headache then get, yeah, so 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 that's what's going on over here. There's two interpretations. The better one, the closer one to the simple translation is Rabbi Kiva's, but Rabbi Kiva has something that's lacking, and Rabbi Glee has something that's lacking, and therefore Rashi brings us both. So in this very long talk. The Reb explains this Rashi, but because we don't have so much time, we're just going to uh, give over one point. Um, the, the reason why um, the Reb specifically spoke about this Rashi on this talk in 1969 was because it was relevant to something that was happening in the world at the time. There was, there was a lot of fear going on in Israel from non-Jews, the Torah this week tells us not to be afraid of non-Jews. Uh, how, how, even though the Torah says you're not supposed to start up with a non-Jew either, even with a, even with a child, but you're also not supposed to be frightened of them. That was after the Six-Day War, right? 1967, Six-Day War? Yeah, so it was 1969. So there's, there's other stuff going on subsequent to the war where they're like, oh, let's give away this, let's give away that. So, so the Torah tells us in the beginning of the Sixth Torah portion, when you go out to war against your enemies and you see a horse and you see the horse of your enemies and their, and their chariots and there are a lot of, there's a lot greater um, population of the enemies 
Don't be afraid of them, because God is with you, the one who lifted you out, the one who raised you out of the land of Egypt. When you go out to war against your enemies, and you see the horses and their wagons and their chariots, and they're a lot greater, so Torah says, God says to you, I'm with you, I'm the one who took out of Egypt, don't be afraid. So Rashi, on that verse, um, he translates, he notices and pays attention to and explains the words, you see the horse and the chariot of your enemy. Why does it say that in the singular? They're, they're coming out against you with thousands of horses and thousands of chariots. Why is it the Torah put, phrased it as when you see the horse of your enemy? So Rashi explains, in the eyes of myself, God says, they're all like one horse. In God's eyes, it's not a bigger deal to take care of a million horses or, a thousand, or one horse. It's all the same. So that's what Rashi says. The problem with what Rashi says is, the Torah says, when you will see, you will see their enemy. So in our eyes, it doesn't look like, like one horse. It looks like thousands of horses. So why? So how does Rashi answer this when he says that in God's eyes it's like one horse, especially when Rashi himself says, he translates the other words, other words in that verse are, Am Rav Mcha, a greater nation than you, a greater population than you. Rashi says, in your eyes, there's a greater population. In my eyes, Hashem says, they're not a greater population. So Rashi specifically emphasized that in your eyes, they are a lot more. So how come uh, Rashi is saying that it's in, in Hashem's eyes, it's like one, so what? It, we're talking about in our eyes. The answer is, when a Jew goes out to war against his enemies, he has to know that God, Hashem, your God is with you, that Hashem goes with you. So automatically, you'll be for sure, you're for sure going to be victorious. And even though there's a lot of horses, and even though there's a lot of chariots, and even though there's a lot of people, because God is going with you, and in God's eyes, there it's like there's one horse and one chariot. And that's why the Torah emphasizes the words, the one who lifts you out of Egypt. It doesn't say the regular language the Torah uses, the Torah employs the language usually, the one who took you out of Egypt. Here the Torah uses the words, who lift you, lifted you out of Egypt. The emphasis is that God is always with the Jewish people from the moment he took us out of Egypt. And so even though they look like there are a lot of people, but in God's eyes, they are only like one chariot, like one horse, and therefore don't be afraid. God lifted you up. God, God took you and lifted you out of Egypt, and therefore uh, you don't have to have any, you don't have any, reason to, any reason to fear them. So, so it's certain, it's certain that we're not allowed to be afraid and frightened. Jews are not allowed to be frightened of non-Jews. So Rashi um, has to explain, we asked before, why Rashi have to explain the words, those who are frightened and those who are soft-hearted. The reason why Rashi has to explain those words is because of the following problem. It says in the Torah earlier on, in this same, in this same um, discussion of the Kohen with the people, he starts off with, don't let your hearts be soft, don't be afraid of them, don't be frenzied by them, don't be broken by them. And Rashi says that there are four expressions of don't be afraid, and these are because of the four, as I mentioned before, the four methods that the non-Jews use when they go out to war to frighten people before the even battle begins. So Rashi says the four expressions of the Torah are talking about four reasons you might be afraid. Don't be afraid of the clanking shields and the, and the, and the, and the, and the uh, screams, their screams of battle and, the, and, their, and their horses and their chariots. So, so if the Torah is said not to be afraid... He already said, don't be afraid of all those things. How come that the, there is someone who's still here who is afraid? We're already told the soldiers, don't be afraid. Why are they still afraid? 
And if the reason they're, they're afraid is because the Kohen's words had no effect, so then the Kohen should have began with the main commandment, don't let your hearts be soft. Don't let, you, don't, 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 yourself, don't let yourself be shaken by them. In other words, the... Um, okay. R- Rashi says that um, the other the other reasons the Torah says that you're allowed to go home from war such as it says it in Torah if you just built a home if you just built a vineyard just got married um, those those commandments should have been written in the Torah if go home if you got married go home if you built a vineyard go home if you built a home those should have been written in the Torah um, after the Torah says First of all, whoever is frightened, go home. Torah should have written that first. That's the main point. Um, and so, so because it's not written that way, Rashi is forced to interpret the words of Torah, whoever is frightened, go home, as something that's not the literal translation. It means something more. Because if it, if it was, if it was the very, if this was the basis of the whole discussion of the coin, then the coin should have mentioned that first. So, an explanation like this. The reason why the Jewish people were told not to be frightened of these four things, when were they told this? At what point, where were the soldiers standing? So Rashi says this, the coin would give this announcement when they were about to leave the border and go out to war. The moment they're about to go out of the border um, and they're about to enter active common by, the, by the, the, the killing field, so to speak, that's at the very first step out of their border. That's the coin says, don't be afraid of them. So the Pasuk is talking about um, people already about to go out to combat, and they're, ready, they're seeing now the, the actual, it's actually happen, happening. So it's not enough, the fact that God told them before, don't be afraid, because now there's a new fear. There's a new fear because uh, now you're actually seeing the war. And that's where Rashi says, this Pasuk means in the simple sense. But why does it mean in the simple sense? Didn't the Torah say before already not to be afraid? Yes, but there's new fear that's here now. There's new fear because you're actually seeing face to face. They're a few feet away from you. And, and, and the, the, the enemy camp is, is, is uh, gathering together. You're about to get, have to actually begin combat with them. So that's, um, uh, that, that, that's why Rashi brings Rabbi Akiva, the author. We asked before, why did you bring Rabbi Akiva? Um, this is connected to an argument that Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Yisrael have in the whole Torah, uh, but we're not going to go through the whole discussion of Kiva and, and, and Rabbi Yisrael and how their discussions um, work in the whole Torah. We're all going to go into one, 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 one point, how, how Rashi is called by the Shalah, the wine of the Torah. So we're not going to go through the whole... Uh, the, the Gemara has this thing called the Shittase, which means whenever you find an argument between two sages... Um, there's always an underlying argument that, that guides them throughout the, the entire Talmud. And there's a lot of discussion among Achreinim trying to figure out what is the underlying argument. So, so there is something to be said about this on the, on the, on the, on the simple level of Talmud. But we're going to skip the simple level. We're going to go straight to uh, the warp zone. We're going to go straight to what, what the Shalom describes, the wine of Torah, the inner meaning of Torah. 
so again, the Yisak Lila is one who said that we're talking about someone who's afraid of of sins. Now Kiva says we're talking about someone who's afraid of actual combat. We want to know why Rashi mentions both their names. What's 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 the idea? So let me just find this over here. Hold on a second. Basically, Rashi, although Rashi explains a simple meaning of Torah, Rashi is the deepest explanation of Torah. From Rashi, the Nebu would, every Fabring and Nebu would speak at such length, going from the simple meaning of Rashi, uh, asking like, you know, 20 questions and one Rashi, and then from those questions, coming up with one answer that answers all the questions, and from there, addressing questions in the Talmud, and there, addressing questions in Jewish philosophy, and there, going into the spiritual dimension of the Torah, and from there going to current events, and from there going to practical uh, practical uh, applications for us. So uh, we're going straight to the wine and practical application. Hold on a second. Correct. A factual fighting, right. So, okay. Um, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says about Rabbi Kiva, Shavka Rabbi Kiva Chasiduse. Where it says Rabbi Kiva left his Chasidus. What the Gemara is referring to is Rabbi Kiva said something which was uncharacteristic of him. What was his character? Character. His character was Chasidus. What was what does Chasidus mean? The word Chasidus in that context. So the Gemara means he always tried to point out the greatness of the Jewish people. He always tried to point out how the virtues of the Jewish people, and so he always found ways to find merit in the Jewish people where no one else could. So, for example, the Gemara says that there are people, the Gemara says that they have no share in the world to come. They, they will not come to the world to come. And Kiva says, and he interprets, uh, so he, 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 he goes, um, that they do have a share in the world to come. He disagrees. He finds merit in them. And so with Rakiva's ability to find merit in people, he cannot agree with Rebeisek Lili. He cannot say he's a, they're afraid of sins. Why not? Because Rakiva says, listen to this, this is fascinating. Rakiva says, if you're afraid of your sins, that means you have fear of Hashem. You're a Jew. You have belief in God. You're a believer, a child of a believer. So that belief in God is what's bringing you to have a thought of teshuva. And so what does the Gemara say when, once you have a thought of teshuva? The Gemara says that if you betroth a woman on condition that you are an absolute tzaddik, and you're not an absolute tzaddik, the Allah is that it's considered as if you are an absolute tzaddik, or there's a doubt whether you're an absolute tzaddik. Why? Because that one thought of teshuva already transforms you from the most wicked person to the most righteous person. So Rekiva says... How could someone be afraid of sins? The very fact they're afraid, that already moves them out of the category of the sinners. They're not in that category anymore. Their fear of sin itself tells me they have no reason to fear sin. It's, it's, it reminds me of, of the Talmud using the um, expression of There's certain situations like the Gemara says about um, a slave. A slave is considered to belong to the master and therefore he has no power to own anything. Whatever he acquires is considered the ownership of, of the master. So the Talmud says, then, how is it possible if, if the master wants to issue a bill of divorce for a slave, how could he get rid of him? He has no, the, 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 the servant has no hand to receive the bill of divorce. And the Talmud says, which means he acquires his hand together with his bill of divorce. 
the moment he's putting out his hand to hold the bill of divorce, that already gives him both the hand and, and the divorce simultaneously. So in a similar thing we're saying over here is that, um, is that there, the Rekiva says, how can we talk about people who are frightened of sin and, and the reason to be frightened of sin? If they're frightened of sin, they're doing great. So they shouldn't have any reason to be fear of their sins. It's kind of like we learned yesterday from the Kotzker. The Kotzker says that, uh, when the Torah says, uh, David of Kotzker said, that if you're holding on to your sins and you think that God cannot help you, then you shouldn't go out to war. But if you believe that God's bigger than your sins and God can still help you, then we need you. And, 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 and then you're listed in the army. Okay, so, so Rekiva has a problem with this. And, but Rabbi Yisrael doesn't. So let's, let's see the distinction between them. Um, The, the Zohar says, it's, and it's in a second, the second you think about doing tshuva, you're, you're already at tzaddik. So regarding, so that's, that's why Rabbi Yisrael says that uh, he's afraid of sin, because he says, okay, you, you've had a thought of tshuva, but there's more to be tshuva. Rabbi Yisrael says, you've had a thought of tshuva, but it doesn't help. We, right. you, you, therefore he says to go home. Rabbi says, no, that, that, that wouldn't work, there's still no reason to be afraid. So um, that's the uh, basic idea, and uh, this is special relevance. They ever concluded this talk with saying that uh, we have to um, uh, go out and put on tefillin with Jews. Uh, before the, uh, people don't know that the Rebbe began the campaign of of tefillin before the Six Day War because the Talmud says that when we wear tefillin, we cause our enemies to be frightened of this, of us, and that's what. So, so therefore, the Rebbe began that when the right before the Six Day War, the Rebbe said that everyone, should, all the soldiers and all the Jews in the world, should put on tefillin to bring victory in the war. Okay, so um, there's a clay yakar in Parsha Shoftim. Um, the Gemara says, that the Torah says that the coin, before speaking to the Jewish people, he makes an announcement. The announcement he makes to the Jewish people before, before saying anything else says, Shema Yisrael. That's the first the coin says, Listen, Israel, I think they tell you. So the clay yakar says that they need to have the merit of Shema Yisrael. The, 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 the coin is telling the Jewish people, You guys say Shema Yisrael. So Klayakar says that the very fact that they have Shema Yisrael in their tefillin, that already is a pr- protection from against their enemies and uh, from all those who uh, uh, f- try to hurt us. So uh, bottom line is we have to use our influence and others to cause more and more people to put on tefillin so that nations of the world should be, uh, fear us and especially uh, those who are trying to hurt us. L'chaim.